Hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the AFTV newscast being recorded April 7th, 2017. My name is Elias Saba and I run AFTVnews.com and this is where I talk about the week's Fire TV news and related subjects. Uh, before we actually get into the podcast episode, I've got a fairly big announcement, um, changes coming to the actual AFTV newscast. So this episode will actually be the last episode of this format. You know, the the usual format of the AFTV newscast is I basically record about two hours or two or three hours worth of content summarizing the week's news and then I edit it down. Usually the first half is uh, the week's news and then the second half is like a Q&A section. And so I'm actually changing up the the AFTV newscast format and scheduling quite a bit. And so I want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the week's news. It's a, it's a huge amount of news to cover this week, so it should be a really good uh, kind of final episode of this format. Um, the, the whole AFTV newscast is not going away or anything like that. Just a, a big kind of shift around in the format. I'll, I'll get into the details in a second. But definitely a lot of Fire TV news this, this episode. We've got that new software update that started rolling out, bringing the new UI to the older devices. Uh, we've got some new features in that update we've got the fire tv 2 coming to the uk we've got more info on the fire tv edition televisions because those got through the fcc and kind of revealed a little bit it is going to be a big jam-packed episode so it's kind of it's kind of a nice final episode for this format you know kind of cutting off maybe moving into the uh, next version before i get into the actual changes of the aftv newscast i want to explain why i'm making the changes uh, the main reason is i need more flexibility in my schedule. The way it is right now, I do the live streams every Fridays and I try to get an episode out every Saturday. If you're a regular watcher or listener to the AFTV newscast, you've probably noticed I've been missing a lot of weeks here and there. It's almost like every other week now I can get an episode out and so I need some more flexibility in the schedule. Uh, the main reason I need the flexibility in the schedule is because my wife is actually pregnant with our second child. So starting basically, you know, from a few months ago and moving forward, I'm going to need uh, more flexibility to to, to help with things there, obviously. And then once the new baby comes, things are going to be very hectic for me. So I, I need the extra flexibility. I can't really commit to a big chunk of my time once a week being taken up by the AFTV newscast. So here's what I plan to do. Um, instead of actually doing a big, long weekly summary, what I want to do is release smaller uh, videos and audio clips about w specific topics. So if there's a big piece of news that comes out, whenever I get a chance, I'm going to get down, uh, record something about it, go over it, give the details, and then put that out as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash AFTVnews and also as uh, basically an audio uh, version in the actual AFTV newscast RSS feed, you know, for the actual podcast version. So things won't be released, you know, at any kind of schedule. It's just when the news kind of requires it and when I have the time to actually do the recording, uh, I'll, I'll put something together and, and release it that way. In addition to this giving me more flexibility, obviously, it actually uh, serves kind of one of the biggest feedbacks that I've been getting for the AFTV newscast is that it's kind of too long and people might be only interested in specific topics. Like, you know, I try to cover all the Fire TV stuff, obviously, but then I also cover a little bit of Alexa stuff and also a little general Amazon stuff. Uh, I even cover like streaming services. If there's a new streaming service that comes out, I'll definitely cover that. And not everybody's interested in all of those different things. And so by basically chopping up the, the, the releases into 
one topic at a time. So for example, there's a big software update this week. So that would be one topic where I would make a video talking all about that software update, everything there is to know, going over it, giving my feedback about it, and then releasing that video. And then if there's some other piece of news like the, the Fire TV edition televisions, that would be a separate video where I would talk about that going through the FCC, everything we've learned about that. You know, so those of you who are interested in the Fire TV boxes would watch just that one. And those of you interested in the actual Fire TV edition televisions would watch that. And those interested in both would watch both. So there's that benefit too. So that kind of addresses one of the big pieces of feedback that you guys have been giving me, you know, over the last year, year and a half or so that I've been doing the, uh, the AFTV newscast. One of the biggest downsides to this, this change in the format is that I won't be able to do the live stream anymore, even though I really enjoy doing it. Um, I don't plan to live stream every single little video that I end up recording or every little single uh, topic that I end up talking about. I'll just be recording those offline and releasing them in video format on the YouTube channel and in audio format through the uh, podcast RSS feeds. There will also not be a Q&A section at the end of each episode, obviously, but I do want to, you know, when the when there isn't much news or when I have some extra time and I don't really have anything to talk about or record, I'll do individual, just basically only Q&A episodes. That's kind of my plan. Uh, I think I might also set up something on the website where... Uh, it's like a, it'll be a dedicated section for questions and I'll go there whenever I need to find questions that you guys have. Uh, maybe you'll be able to like vote the questions up and down so that I'll see which questions are kind of in high demand. Another piece of feedback I get a lot is that um, there's a lot of repeat in the Q&A at the end of each episode. And that's kind of because I always put the, the Q&A post up on Thursdays asking for feedback. And then a lot of times there's repeats in there, but I just use it because that's like because those are the week's questions. and so there'll be more of a master question list and you guys can maybe vote them up and down. Um, I haven't released all of that yet and I haven't really worked that out yet, but I do want to do that for the Q&A section. I don't want to get rid of the Q&A section because I think it has a lot of value. I think you guys enjoy it. I think it's the best way for me to help you guys out just because uh, with you know you guys emailing me questions and stuff, I don't have time to get through all of that. I, I basically get too many emails nowadays than I have time to actually go through. So uh, I always like using the AFTV newscasts q and a section as like the main way for me to to get kind of you know feedback and get questions answered here and there so that's basically it for the changes in the AFTV newscast in summary i'll be releasing smaller individual kind of more bite-sized videos about one specific topic i'll be also releasing the audio of those videos on the uh, podcast stream so those of you who only listen to the audio version will still get basically everything that i release you know in that stream also uh, i won't be numbering the episodes you know as AFTV newscast 77, 78, um, just because, you know, there, there might be a week where I release several videos. There might be a week where I release no videos, uh, videos and audio, obviously. So that's pretty much it. Hopefully it will be an improvement. I know some of you might be a little disappointed who kind of like the regular format of once a week getting a big summary, but uh, I hope you can bear with me. You know, maybe down the line, I'll return to the, the, the old current format. Um, so, you know, when I have more time, but, you know, exciting changes, hopefully. And, um, yeah, uh, let's get on with the news. So the big piece of news this week is that the Fire TV Stick 
2 has been released in the UK. Uh, so it got announced uh, about a month ago or so. And uh, yesterday, I believe April 6th was the uh, the big you know release day. And it arrived at people's doorsteps and it has Alexa in tow. So it seems like that has gone smoothly. It seems like in conjunction with that release, the uh, new big 5.2.4.1 software update has also been released. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I don't toot my own horn here uh, that I called it a while back where we get a big software update that adds the new UI to the old devices, adds Alexa to everything basically, you know, globally, almost globally in Japan always kind of gets left out. But yeah, that, that has happened. Those two events have kind of uh, happened in sync here. So let's go ahead and get into what this new software update brings and, and you know, everything we know about it so far. So this new 5.2.4.1 software update just started rolling out this week. Um, I expect it to be a very slow rollout. Amazon, I've discussed this in the back, Amazon always rolls out their software updates slowly, meaning uh, only a small set of devices get it initially. They kind of gauge to see whether there are any issues they can detect or, or pick up on. And then once they know everything is fine, they start rolling it out to more and more devices and they kind of monitor things and make sure there aren't any major issues that they didn't find during their you know bug testing, beta testing of the software update. So it's very likely if you're listening to this uh, early, you know, right now it's April 7th. So if you're listening to this or watching this right around that time, you likely have not received the software update. Uh, one of my devices has received it. I have one device that basically is in the, it's in that top 1% that basically gets updated before every other device gets updated. And so uh, I have received it on one of my devices, none of my others. I've got like about a dozen or so devices. So don't be alarmed if you haven't received the update yet. This update is rolling out to all devices, first and second gen devices, box and stick. The big thing that it adds, like I said, is that it brings the new user interface to the first generation devices. So that's the Fire TV box one, the Fire TV stick one. There are other features that come with this update. So that's why it's rolling out to the second gen devices also, even even though those already have the uh, new user interface. I'll get into what those new little additional features are in a second. As always with Fire TV software updates, there's no way to force the update or there's no way to manually install the update. Uh, you can go into your settings and device area. I think if you go to about down at the bottom, there's a check for updates option. If you select that, all that really does is it checks to see whether it's your device's turn to update. Uh, the Fire TV itself will periodically do that check, but you can kind of force that check but if it's not your device's turn to update there's no there's nothing you could do that check will basically just check and tell you there's no software update available so in addition to bring the new user interface to the first gen devices uh, this software update also adds a new feature for data monitoring um, what I mean by data monitoring isn't Amazon monitoring what you're doing on your fire TV or anything like that uh, it's uh, allows you to basically track how much data the fire TV itself is consuming uh, this is mostly for people who have data caps or who have to those who have limitations on how much data they can consume every month so the feature is inside of the uh, fire tvs the, the new interface you go to settings you go to preferences and in there you'll see a data mo monitoring option it's turned off by default and so you have to turn it on if you want to use it when you turn on the data monitoring option you've actually got three options in there uh, the first one is about the video quality i'll talk about that in detail in a second here i want to talk about the other two things first uh, the second one is a set data alert. So when you select that, the Fire TV basically asks you at what 
data consumption point or data cap or data limit do you want to be alerted when you reach that point? And so if you have like a 50 gigabyte a month data cap, for example, with your internet access, you can enter 50 gigabytes there. And then it also asks you when your billing cycle changes um, so that it will automatically reset. And so when you enable that, basically, it will just track how much data you're using. It'll show it in a little graph in that data monitoring section. And then at the uh, billing cycle day of the month that you've indicated, it will reset and go back to zero and then start tracking again. When you actually do exceed that amount that you have set or when the Fire TV itself has consumed and exceeded that amount, it will show up uh, an alert basically full screen over whatever it is you're doing on the Fire TV, just letting you know data limit has been reached. When you have reached your data limit that you have personally set, the Fire TV itself does not limit the actual like use of the device in any way so it still functions exactly the same uh the data limit reach notice is it's literally just that it's a notice letting you know you've reached what you set and but everything else is going to just keep functioning the way it always has so it doesn't actually like you know prevent you from streaming video or anything like that so in addition to the little like total data graph that gets shown in the data monitoring section, um, you can also see how much data each individual app is using during that billing cycle. Uh, I assume when the billing cycle ends, you know, when you've reached that day of the month that you've set, everything resets back to zero, not just the, the system total amount, also the actual individual app amounts. Um, but uh, it's a nice little list. Basically, if you just go in there, you go to that last option. It's called monthly top data usage. It basically shows you all of the apps that you have installed on the Fire TV. Uh, it also shows you some of the system apps like the home screen, for example. The uh, It tells you a separate value for the Fire TV system itself. You know, I assume that's for like uh, software updates and app updates, you know, behind the scenes, that sort of stuff will be listed in that data usage. The list is sorted by, you know, most data used app at the very top. There's no really way to, there's no other option in there. There's no way to, to sort it in any other way. There's no way to reset an individual app or anything like that. It's just a flat list. You can scroll through it and see how much each app or how much data each app is using. Going back to that video quality setting that I kind of skipped over, um, I, I wrote a separate post uh, about that just in more detail because that's kind of a nice big new feature you know just on its own you know they could have put that out like separate from the data monitoring section i think but they probably decided to put it in there because the people who are interested in monitoring their data are probably the ones who are going to be changing their video quality settings so this new option basically lets you choose from three different video quality settings by default the uh, top best quality is chosen it's called best and then there's a middle tier quality called better and then the lowest quality called good um, for the most part, it seems like uh, it's basically toggling between something like a 1080p, 720p, and a 480p video quality. It doesn't explicitly say that itself, but just from my experience with it, that seems to be the case. I'll show it off here in the video version, but if you check down in the show notes, I took full res basically screenshots of the Fire TV paused at, at the exact same scene inside of a video uh, showing the different video quality. So you can kind of compare to the three right you know, there on your computer screen or on your phone. Um, and I zoomed in on one section, for example, uh, in the background, there was like a label on, on, a, on a wall that I zoomed into just to show like what kind of uh, you know, changes in the resolution and the clarity you'll see when you're switching down between the different versions. So what I did basically is play a uh, one minute, 36 second trailer that Amazon serves um, in each video quality setting. And then I used the data monitoring option that just got added to 
basically track and record how much data was used for each different you know quality setting uh, so the the actual you know megabyte data values that were used for each one are not that important I think what's more important is the the relative comparison between the different formats but for those interested uh, the the one minute 36 second video at the best data quality used 84 85 megabytes about the better quality used about 48 megabytes and the lowest quality, the good quality used only 7.32 megabytes. So pretty big difference between them. Uh, calculating the actual percentages, uh, dropping down from best to better, you're saving about 43% in data consumption. And then dropping from better down to good, you're saving 91% over the best option and 85% over the better option. So it's really significant dropping down to that good setting. Uh, but it, in my experience with it, there isn't much of a visual difference here. I'll show you if you're watching uh, the video version. There isn't really much of a video, uh, a, a visual difference between the top most best setting and the middle better setting. Uh, you are saving roughly half the data by dropping that down, but you're really not going to see a big difference in my opinion. You know, it'll definitely vary depending on what you're watching. You know, if there's a high action scene, you'll probably notice more pixelation than you would in a, a slower, you know, mellow scene uh, in the video. So this will vary greatly depending on what you're actually watching. But just, just playing around with it myself, um, I would definitely say if you're worried about data consumption and you want to reduce that by about 50% and really not see that much of a difference in, in viewing experience, I would definitely drop that down from best to better. Uh, dropping down to good, there's a very noticeable difference. Um, you know, things are just pixelated. Um, if, you're, if you're looking at a scene where the, where the people's faces are, are fairly small, like a crowd, you're not going to be able to make out an individual person's face that well. It's just going to be kind of a... a a blurry mess you know so the the good setting i would say is only for those extreme i mean it's a 90 percent savings over the best setting the best 1080p setting uh, so those of you who really need to conserve that data could definitely switch down to that but you know on on a regular you know size tv sitting about 10 feet away you are going to see a noticeable difference there so that's the new data monitoring setting. Um, I'm pretty sure they added this new option to the Fire TV more for uh, areas outside the U.S. Um, it's not that common, thankfully. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are some of you in the U.S. who do have data caps, but it's not that common in the U.S. for home Internet access to have a data cap. Um, it is a lot more common, I've heard, in other countries and I think the Fire TV itself is going to be expanding to other countries. We know, or well, we don't know, but I'm almost 100% positive now that we're going to see uh, India get the Fire TV uh, in the next few months or so. I've, I've already found and talked about a lot of evidence about, you know, the Fire TV coming to India. And so I think this data monitoring option is tailored more so for those kind of, um, I guess you'd call more developing countries uh, where data caps are more common and it's more of a concern on how much uh, data, you know, your actual device is using. All right, moving on, the next new feature that this 5.2.4.1 software update adds to all devices is uh, it now supports, the Fire TV now supports voice searching within the YouTube app. 
Now, before you get too excited, this unfortunately does not mean you can use your voice to actually enter text inside of the YouTube app. Uh, what this is, is actually an expansion of a feature that Amazon kind of quietly released. So if you do a voice search on the Fire TV or even a text search on the Fire TV's main interface, at the very bottom of the search results, you'll find a section called search in apps. Uh, previously, previous to this new update, the only app that would ever be listed in there was the Amazon Music app. So if you if you searched for something with your voice, you could actually select the Amazon Music app and that search would then be kind of relayed into the Amazon Music app and then it would show you the search results inside of that app. So they basically added this ability to kind of relay or transmit the, uh, the, the search text into the YouTube app. So the way it works is you basically just, you know, pick up your voice remote or your the Fire TV app, remote app on your cell phone or something, perform a search like you normally would, whether it's text or voice based. And then the results will be shown on the Fire TV interface the way they normally are. You scroll down to the bottom to the search in app section and you'll see a YouTube icon there. You select the YouTube icon, then it will basically load up the YouTube app directly to the results of your search. So it doesn't just put in the text and then you have to hit search or something like that. It's it's a very nice smooth experience where once you select that app, you're basically then, you know, once the app loads itself, you'll be looking at the search results for that. So it's not perfect. You know, ideally, obviously, we would prefer to just be able to hit that remote, you know, voice button and, you know, basically speak and that text show up inside of any app essentially hopefully a feature like that is coming that's basically like voice transcription instead of the on-screen keyboard you know so we don't have that yet but this is kind of a nice like you know middle ground you know until a feature like that gets released which i would expect amazon is working on something like that but until that is released this is a nice way to to search inside of the youtube app which is you know probably next to like netflix and hbo and that sort of stuff which already supports universal search on the fire tv the youtube app which does not support universal search which i'll talk about in a, in a second why that's the case for those wondering um since it doesn't support universal search, this is kind of a good like patch to, to just let you search easier on, on YouTube on the Fire TV. So real quick, for those wondering why the YouTube app cannot be included in the universal search, uh, the way universal search on the Fire TV works is uh, the different services like HBO, like Netflix, like Showtime, they basically give their catalog, basically the, a list of everything they have available to Amazon. They well, they don't you know hand it over or anything. They actually set it up somewhere where Amazon can pull it and retrieve it on a regular basis. And so then Amazon takes all those catalogs, puts pulls them together, and then runs a search on them when you run a search on your fire tv and so because youtube's library basically youtube's catalog literally changes every second because there's new youtube videos uploaded every second it, it's just not feasible to have a single file containing every item on youtube that's just it's never going to happen so that's why youtube cannot be in the regular universal search you know like like if you pick up your the voice remote and you search for tom hanks you will never see you know netflix movies of for Tom Hanks, Amazon movies for Tom Hanks next to YouTube videos about Tom Hanks. That's just not going to happen. Just like I said, because of this, the sheer size of YouTube and the way you cannot never have a, a up-to-date catalog for YouTube. So that's the new voice search capability that has come to the Fire TV that lets you search uh, YouTube essentially with your voice should make searching YouTube a lot easier on the Fire TV. Um, and even if you don't have a voice remote, like I said, you could still do the text search. And in my opinion, 
the the Fire TV's text, you know, on-screen keyboard is a lot better than the YouTube on-screen keyboard. So, you know, you can even go that route if you wanted to. Next up, I did want to mention uh, all of those those of you in the UK and Germany are probably going to be excited about this since uh, this is probably the second most common question I, I ever get. Um, Alexa has been added to all Fire TV models, uh, Fire TV box and stick, first and second gen in the UK and in Germany. Uh, us in the US or those of you in the US uh, probably had no idea that, you know, Alexa was only available on US Fire TVs, but that was the case basically up until this new 5.2.4.1 software update. Um, it was almost pretty obvious this was going to happen because, like I said yesterday, you know, April 6th, the Fire TV Stick 2 was released with Alexa support in the UK. Uh, that device is coming to Germany, I believe, the 20th or so of this month. And so since that device has Alexa, you know, basically right off the bat, uh, it was pretty obvious that it was going to come to all the other devices, and thankfully it has. So if you're in the UK and, or in Germany, once your device gets gets the 5.2.4.1 software update, you'll have full-blown Alexa capabilities in there. So that's pretty much it as far as what I've been able to determine about this new software update so far. I have not been able to capture the actual update package itself. Uh, the update package is what I pass on to our box, who then uses that to create the pre-rooted ROMs. So of course, once I capture those packages, I'll, I'll be able to get those to our box and hopefully he'll be able to find time to create pre-rooted ROMs so that those of you who have rooted devices will be able to update to this new software version. Once I get those packages, that's when I can also dig in deeper and try to find other more hidden uh, changes or updates or, or added new features. So, but so far, that's those are the main things. A new Fire TV interface coming to the first-gen devices, the new data monitoring uh, feature or, or options that were added, and the new searching YouTube, basically, um, you know, with your voice capability, and the uh, Alexa coming to uh, UK and German devices, you know, full-blown. So that's what we know so far about that software update. Uh, let's move on to the next topic here. I uh, did want to mention that Kodi itself, the Kodi.tv website, uh, just went through a big overhaul. They actually had a uh, April Fool's message up on April 1st where they said their their, their site was taken down by ISIS or, or, or no, ICE, sorry, not ISIS. <laughs> uh, their site was taken down by ICE, but that was just an April Fool's joke. And it was also so that they could take the servers down, do the, do the big update to the website and then put it back up. So the reason I'm mentioning it is because the new website itself is actually uh, incompatible with ES File Explorer's side loading method. Those of you watching this, this AFTV newscast or listening uh, probably are using my downloader app to side load, but I do know a, lot, a big majority of people are still using ES File Explorer because it was the first major popular way of side loading on the Fire TV, especially Kodi. But there's just something about Kodi's new website where it's impossible within ES File Explorer to select the download link for the actual, you know, Kodi dot, you know, APK file. So I did write this post. I did actually find a workaround for those of you who are still interested in using ES File Explorer to sideload Kodi. So if, I'll put a link down below, of course, to how to, you know, get around this within ES File Explorer. But really, Downloader, I mean, I, I know I'm biased because it's my app, but Downloader, Downloader is just a lot easier, a lot better way of sideloading in general. So I would first off recommend doing that over ES File Explorer. But if you really want to use ES File Explorer, put a link down below to this article. It'll show you basically how to go into the um, the section of Cody's website where you can get to older releases. And inside of that older releases section, you can still get to the latest version of Cody. The, right now it's 17.1. So those links do work inside of ES File Explorer. And that's kind of the workaround here. 
All right, next up, it looks like Amazon is going to be releasing the Silk Web Browser, an offic their official browser for the Fire TV. So it turns out if you take the Silk Browser, which ships on all of the Fire tablets, if you take that APK file, pull it off of the tablet and sideload it onto the Fire TV, you don't just get the same interface. You actually get a Fire TV specific interface. In addition to the Fire TV specific uh, interface and functionality, it actually has uh, a tutorial on how to use the browser on the Fire TV. So it's it's pretty strong evidence, almost you know 100% guaranteed evidence that Amazon at least internally is working on testing the Silk browser for the Fire TV. It's very possible that the tests will go nowhere and it will never actually be released publicly for the Fire TV. I mean, that does happen, but at the very least, the current version of the Silk browser that's loaded on the Fire tablets does work and has a user interface specific to the Fire TV. One thing that's really interesting about the way Amazon has approached a browser on the Fire TV with their Silk browser here is the uh, the way you click on links on a website. So um, I have a browser built into my downloader app and the way I handle it is I just have you move a cursor around like a mouse cursor using the up, down, left, right arrows on the remote and then you move it where you want and then you hit the select button and it clicks on whatever's under that cursor. But the way Amazon has done it is basically they detect all the links that are currently visible on the screen. And when you press the select button, they add a unique up, down, left, right combination to every single link. Uh, if you're watching the video version here, you could see it kind of in, in their little tutorial here where basically every link on the page has a different combo. So like this first link, for example, if you wanted to click that, you would press the select button, see the, the arrows for it, which in this case are up, down, up, and you, when, then you just press up, down, up on your remote and that initiates the click. It sounds a little clunky, but in practice, actually using it, it's actually a really nice way of doing things. Um, I kind of prefer it to the actual cursor method. Um, the cursor method is a little better when you've got a lot of little links in one area, because when you have on a website, if you've got like a menu, for example, and there are just a lot of menu items, these up, down, left, right arrows, whatever, for each link, they start to overlap each other and it gets a little difficult to see which one you want to actually, you know, select for that link that you want. So in that sense, I think the cursor is a little better. But for most web pages that, you know, I was kind of playing with with this Silk browser, I think it is actually a very nice way of doing, uh, you know, link clicking through a remote control, you know, just d-pad essentially the other nice thing they've added to their little silk silk browser test for the fire tv here is that when there's a embedded video on a website uh, if you select that video like the video itself will have its own combination of up down left right you know to actually select it when you select it you'll be able to control the video's playback well well first of all the video will go full screen once you hit play but when it's in full screen you'll be able to control that video's playback using the media buttons the forward rewind play pause buttons on the Fire TV's remote itself. So because most likely this browser is going to be used to play video that's embedded on a website that you basically cannot access in any other way, like through a Fire TV app, uh, it's nice that they added actual media controls for the video. Uh, the last thing worth mentioning about the way the, the browser actually functions is the, the very last step of the tutorial in, you basically informs you to press the voice button on the on the Lexo voice remote to actually perform a search, a web search inside of the Silk browser. 
Uh, this is very significant because this is the first time we've seen any indication that you'll be able to use the voice capabilities of the remote inside of an app. Right now, if you press that voice button, you guys probably already know, it basically just puts up the universal search on top of whatever you're looking at, and it just does a universal search. So it basically, the voice button ignores whatever app you're using and just goes to the main search of the Fire TV. If you sideload the Silk browser on a Fire TV and press the voice button, it still does that universal, you know, over everything search. So it does not actually trigger the, the searching capability inside of the app. Most likely the people who are beta testing the Silk browser on the Fire TV who actually have like a, an official version, uh, they probably have um, beta software on their device that allows the voice button to be recognized inside of the Silk browser. So if you do sideload the app, you're not going to be able to use the voice capabilities inside the Silk browser, unfortunately. But the fact that we do see this screen in the actual Silk browser does let us know that Amazon is working on using the voice capabilities of the remote inside of the app itself. Now, because you can't use the actual uh, voice button on the remote inside of the Silk browser, if you sideload the Silk browser on the Fire TV, there's actually no way with just the Silk browser itself to go to a website or anything. Once you load it, it basically puts you through the tutorial and then you get to the last section of the tutorial and that basically asks you to, to hit the voice button. And since the, the app itself cannot recognize the voice button, you're stuck on that last page of the tutorial. And so there's no way to actually bring up a URL field. There's no way to actually load a website. So that's why I created a separate little opener app, basically. So I created this app. I'm calling it Opener. It's a very simple app. Basically, you sideload it with the Silk browser, so you sideload both of them. I, I have a full guide on, on basically how to, to download the Silk browser and how to download my opener app and how to sideload both of them using my downloader app. Um, but I'll put a link down below to that if you're interested. So my opener app is very simple. Basically, once you sideload it and you sideload the Silk browser, essentially you open up the opener app. There's just a URL field. You can enter a URL there, hit go, and that then that app will open that URL in the Silk browser for you. So since you have no way of entering a URL or anything in the actual Silk browser, you'll, you'll have to use the opener app every single time you want to load a new page. But once you've actually loaded a page in the browser itself, you can navigate the page, you can enter text in there. So, you know, one thing you might want to do is like load Google using my opener app. That'll then it'll open Google in the Silk browser. And then from there, you can search for what you want and then you can get to different pages and that sort of stuff. But every time you want to actually manually enter, manually load a new page, you've got to go back to the opener app. So it's not a it's not a great solution, but it allows you to try the uh, Silk browser now before it's actually released uh, to the public. Um, so that's the, the main reason I created it. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is that uh, when you actually load the Silk browser, sideload the Silk browser on the Fire TV, if you go into the settings section of the Fire TV and go to applications, there's actually a new entry there you'll see for Silk browser specific settings. Uh, so you'll, you'll want to dig in through there and maybe make some changes. I think you can change like the homepage that gets loaded on there and so that sort of stuff. So you might want to go in and look at those options. But yeah, that's basically the Silk browser. It's hopefully coming to the Fire TV soon. If you want to try it right now, check the link down below in the show notes to a, a guide basically on how to install it and how to install my opener app and and how to use the whole thing uh, it's pretty nice pretty nice little interface for a browser on the tv i mean in general i've never been a fan of browsers on the tv just because 
websites are not designed to be used with a remote control. You know, they're designed to be used with either a touch screen or with a mouse and keyboard. And so this is pretty much as good as you're going to get. It's not it's not perfect. But, you know, if you do want to browse the Internet on the Fire TV, uh, this is probably a good way to do it. Uh, Next up, real quick, on the subject of my app, I did want to announce and thank everybody. uh, The downloader app that I've released has now been, quote, purchased for free uh, by a million users, over a million users. Um, I think I'm almost up to 1.2 million now, actually. Purchases or, or, you know, accounts that I've actually selected to buy my app for free are the only stats that I really have that Amazon gives me. I don't know how many people have actually installed it. I don't know how many people have actually used it it, that itself, but I do know at least 1 million different Amazon accounts have selected to purchase the downloader app. A big thank you to everybody who has donated towards the development of the app. Uh, I do have a new update, a version 1.1.2 update that is going to be released Hopefully next week, I got a little bit distracted this week because of this big new software update. And so I wasn't able to finalize that that new app update. But I did want to just just say thank you to everybody who's who supported the app and helped, you know, it further uh, along and let me add new features. Uh, This new update basically is going to add a favorites slash bookmarking options. So you'll be able to save links in the actual app itself and load them up a lot easier in the actual browser in the app. So if you want to, you know, basically get to the Kodi download page often to check for updates, for example, you'll be able to do that a lot more easily in the uh, next version. Okay, next up, the last uh, big subject I'm going to talk about before we get into that Q&A section at the end of the episode is that the uh, Westinghouse uh, Fire TV Edition televisions have just passed through FCC approval. Uh, for those who don't remember or don't recall, uh, at the in January at the Consumer Electronics Show, Amazon basically revealed that uh, they partnered with Westinghouse, uh, Seiki, and Element brand televisions, which are actually all produced by the same uh, manufacturer. Now, I'll put a link down below to all of my coverage of the TVs. I, I got to play with them firsthand at CES. And so if you don't know anything about those and you're interested, uh, I'll, I'll definitely put a link down below. You can check out those older articles. I got a lot of pictures I took of them. So definitely look into that. But these TVs come pre basically loaded with the Fire OS that you get on the Fire TVs you know, by default. So you basically get the Fire TV experience without having to connect a stick or a box externally. It's basically the, the complete interface of the television. Television. So we're expecting these TVs to be released right around maybe middle of this this year or so, J- June, July time period. Um, so they, the Westinghouse models at least have just passed through FCC approval. And whenever they that happens, you know, whenever something goes through the FCC, we get to uh, get a little more insight into it. And so there are a few things we've learned uh, about the TVs that we didn't know before that I'll just go over briefly here. So the first thing that the FCC filing has revealed is that the uh, remote control that we saw shown off at CES is actually not the final version of the remote. Um, I was actually told there when I was messing with it and playing with it, they told me that it was not going to be the final version, that the one I was actually using there was... Uh, kind of like a prototype essentially but the big change in the remote is actually it's going to have three dedicated buttons on it for services similar to the way the Roku remotes have those buttons those dedicated buttons at the bottom so the three buttons are going to be a dedicated button for Prime Video a dedicated button for Netflix and a dedicated button for Amazon Music the uh, Amazon Music button is probably pretty straightforward Uh, when you press that I assume it's just going to launch the Amazon Music app that's on the Fire TV's interface Uh, the Netflix button of course 
straightforward there. It's probably going to launch the uh, Netflix app. Um, the question is, if you don't have the app installed, is it going to automatically install it and then launch it? Or is it going to just take you to the uh, the download screen to download it? Or is Netflix going to come pre-installed on all of these TVs? That we don't know yet, but definitely the Netflix button, if you have Netflix already installed, is going to launch that app, I would assume. The biggest mystery, in my opinion, is the Prime Video button. Since there isn't really a Prime Video app, it's more of like a Prime video section of the fire tv i would assume that pressing the prime video button will just take you to that section um, so in the new fire tv interface there's a subscriptions row essentially on the home screen if you're a prime member you'll actually see a prime cell essentially there on the, the subscription section if you select that prime subscription it'll take you to if you're watching the video version here what you'll see is basically just a listing of different rows that are just prime content so i would assume pressing that prime video button will take you to this screen here that you're looking where it's just basically different prime content in different categories like best tv or new or originals that sort of stuff so that's the remote it looks like that's going to come with these Fire TV Edition televisions. I think all of them are going to have the same thing. Uh, if you're watching the video version here, you can see what the original remote looked like. It's basically identical to this final version except the volume buttons on the remote got moved from a vertical format to a horizontal format to make room for those three buttons. Um, I have a feeling Netflix themselves kind of mandated that the Netflix button be added to these remotes you know, by the manufacturer, by, by Element and Westinghouse and Seiki. Um, that's kind of a thing they seem to be doing these days. You know, that's why Roku has those buttons. Uh, that's why the, what is it, that Sling TV box thing has a Netflix button on there. And so Netflix kind of, you know, kind of pushes their weight and pushes their influence and gets their button on there. And so I think they got the button put on there. And because of that, Amazon put their own buttons on there. And so, so um, you know, some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. You know, it's it's all up to your own opinion there. So in addition to that new remote control that we kind of got our first final look at, uh, there are a few other things that we've learned that we didn't know before about these Fire TV Edition uh, televisions that are going to be released. Uh, so I wrote this post, 10 new things that, that we basically just learned. Uh, most of this comes from the user manual that gets included with the FCC filing. And so that basically just reveals a lot of little extra specifics about these televisions that we didn't know. Uh, Lori is actually chiming in here on Twitter asking how much storage do the Fire TV Edition televisions have? Uh, they have 16 gigabytes of internal storage. Uh, and actually, the, the first thing that we've actually learned is that the SD card, they, they all the TVs will have a full-size SD card slot. And we weren't sure what that's going to be used for. And the manual has confirmed that the SD card slot on these televisions is going to be used just the same way as the micro SD slot on the Fire TV 2. Uh, and so you'll be able to install apps onto that external storage. Uh, the manual says it supports up to 120. 28 gigabytes of external storage on an SD card slot. Uh, you might be able to store more than that, but they kind of uh, keep things safe, I think, by saying there's up to 128 gigabytes acceptable or supported. So the TVs have 16 gigabytes internal storage and that uh, up to 128 gigabytes external storage through the uh, SD card slot. Again, that's a full size SD card slot, not a micro SD card slot. So the other thing we've learned from the manual is that you'll be able to pause live television on these Fire TV Edition TVs uh, for up to two minutes, it says. That seems low. Um, I talked to some people at CES 
Um, and they told me that the amount you're going to be able to pause will likely be determined by how much internal storage you have available. So it's possible this up to two minutes is just kind of a safe uh, value, meaning you'll be able to do two minutes regardless, and then maybe you'll be able to do more. I don't know. Um, it just seems a little low, uh, but we'll have to see when these come out. But we do know at least, you know, up to two minutes, uh, you'll be able to pause live TV. Uh, the other thing, the remote itself is going to be Bluetooth based. So that was a big question whether these new remotes were going to be Wi-Fi direct based like the uh, Fire TV Stick 2 and the Fire TV 2 boxes new remotes are. Uh, but no, it looks like Amazon's going back or at least the manufacturers. We're not sure if the remote itself was made by Amazon or the manufacturer because it is an Alexa voice remote. So I think Amazon has some, some say in the remote itself. Uh, but the remote itself is going to be Bluetooth based. Um, you know, some people have had a lot of issues with the Wi-Fi based remote because there is a lot of interference there on that 2.4 gigahertz spectrum with uh, surrounding Wi-Fi networks. I mean, a lot of uh, devices like microwaves will interfere with that that Wi-Fi. So, so uh, if you were having issues with that remote, you'll be happy to hear that it's going back to Bluetooth. Uh, next, we've learned that all four of the HDMI ports are going to be HDCP compliant, uh, HDCP 2.2 compliant. And one of the HDMI ports, the first one actually supports HDMI ARC, which is uh, audio return channel. Uh, basically what that allows is for um, video to go one direction as it normally does on the HDMI port, but audio to go back out the other direction. Uh, that's mostly used by uh, receivers, audio receivers, where you'll be able to con basically connect one HDMI cable to that receiver from the TV and you know you'll be able to send video into the TV and audio back out you know the other way essentially um, it's not a feature that too many people use and plus it doesn't support some of the uh, the higher um, I think like Dolby Atmos um, surround sound capabilities so it only supports I think 5.1 uh, Dolby digital but but hey it's there we now know about it because it was in the manual uh, next, we've learned the actual menu button on the remote controls is going to be used as kind of like a, a common secondary function in a lot of different places. Uh, you know, on a, on a regular TV's remote, you usually got a lot more buttons than you have on these Fire TV Edition remotes, you know, specifically like a mute button. So, for example, the uh, manual lays out that if you uh, change the volume on the, the Fire TV Edition television and then hit the menu button, that will mute the TV. So it's like whenever you see the volume controls on screen, pressing that menu button will mute. So it seems like the menu button on the remote will serve as that additional functionality where you might have a dedicated button for that normally on a remote control. Uh, next, we've learned that the uh, program guide that's built into these uh, Fire TV Edition televisions will show up to two weeks or, or a minimum, I think, of two weeks worth of programming uh, in the future. So uh, that's, you know, nice to, to, nice to know that there's two weeks worth there that you can kind of browse through and see ahead what is going to be coming up, you know, if you've got either a cable connected to it or if you're doing over-the-air programming. We've learned a little bit more about parental controls. These TVs will be able to go into the parental controls of Fire OS and select to block certain ratings for from the MPAA for TV shows, you know, the, those little ratings like Mature and that sort of stuff. So within the Fire TV's interface, you will be able to select and enable parental controls and, and block those ratings. Uh, next, we know now more about the Bluetooth peripheral capabilities. So very similar 
to the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick, these televisions will be able to connect uh, Bluetooth mice, Bluetooth keyboards, Bluetooth game controllers, and uh, Bluetooth headphones for private listening. So we weren't sure about that before. We knew they had Bluetooth capabilities, but we weren't sure if it was going to be the same as the Fire TV. So it does sound like now that, or we know now that, uh, all the same Bluetooth capabilities that you've got on the actual Fire TV and the Fire TV stick you'll have on these televisions. Uh, these TVs also have USB ports. They have a USB 3.0 ports and USB 2.0 ports. We do know that you'll be able to connect mice, keyboards, even game controllers. They, uh, the manual specifically says Xbox 360 game controllers to those USB ports. So it looks like uh, they're going to be about the same functionality you find again on the Fire TV 1 and 2 boxes. Um, the manual doesn't say anything about storing media on external USB drives connected to those USB ports like you can on the Fire TVs, but I would expect that that is going to be there. It does seem like from now what we've learned about these Fire TV Edition televisions that all of the same capabilities on the Fire TV boxes will be on these TVs as well. So I fully expect you'll be able to, to plug in a USB flash drive or thumb drive um, into the USB ports on these TVs and open up something like VLC or Kodi and be able to access the files and the media stored on those drives. And last item on my list that we didn't know about before, but we know now, is that the actual TV itself, the physical TV, will basically have all of the buttons that are on the remote control somewhere on the TV itself. So along the front of the TV, you've got your, your regular um, home button, back button, menu buttons, that sort of stuff. There's even on the back of the TV, a, essentially a D-pad that'll let you select up, down, left, right, and, and select on it. So um, there's even a uh, remote syncing button, essentially. So if you lose your remote or get a new remote, you'll be able to actually hit that button and sync things up that way. So I know a lot of people end up losing their remotes on the Fire TV for, or for the Fire TV or the Fire TV stick. And they end up using the um, Fire TV's remote app on a mobile device, which also incidentally will work on these Fire TV edition televisions. Um, but there's always a problem if you factory reset your Fire TV, how do you actually get past the initial setup because you have no way of you know pressing the buttons on the remote you only have the app itself and sometimes the app doesn't sync up during the setup process so the TVs themselves will have more you know hard physical buttons on the TVs itself so it'll it'll help things out there uh, we've got a question here from Twitter by Richie Z asking, did you get a price range on these TVs? Uh, no, unfortunately, Amazon and the t t TV manufacturers themselves uh, at CES, when I talked to them, they did not reveal anything about price range. Um, all they said was it's going to be aggressively priced, uh, that the uh, actual Fire TV aspects of the TV are not going to really increase the price of the TVs that much. So, you know, we know these TVs are all 4K capable um, none of them are HDR capable and they're going to come in four different sizes. I believe it's 43 inch, 50 inch, 55 inch and 65 inch if I'm not mistaken. If I don't remember again, I'll have links down below to my older articles that have all of these extra specs and, and information about them. But you can pretty much expect, you know, a, a, a TV in that size with 4K capabilities to be right around the same price as these TVs themselves. All right. I hope you enjoyed that new info about the Fire TV Edition televisions. Uh, if you did not 
not, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but you know the the new format of the AFTV newscast moving forward again will have will have different topics cut up into their own videos, so you can choose and pick and select which videos you want to watch, which ones you're not that interested in. So hopefully that that'll that'll fix that in the future for you guys. But let's go ahead and move into the Q and A section of the episode. Uh, as always, I put a post up on Thursdays asking people to submit their questions here on the episode for me to try to answer and discuss. Uh, we also got questions coming in live on Twitter from those watching the live stream. Uh, first question here is from r.csg. Uh, that's the Twitter username asking what happened to my NetLizer app. He says, I told friends about it, but when they search for it, Amazon says it's not found. So I have noticed that myself that that app was removed. Uh, for those wondering, that app was uh, the one that let you test your kind of Wi-Fi settings or your Wi-Fi network on the Fire TV. It was a pretty nice app. I put wrote a little article about it showing off all the different features. I'll link that below for those interested. But hopefully the app comes back. But from what I heard, the uh, app itself had a licensing issue where they were using some open source software in the app but did not give proper credit to the actual open source software. So hopefully they'll just clear that up and give proper credit and the app will come back. Um, I don't know if, if it will come back though or, or what actually is happening, but that's, that's what I know about it. All right, next question we've got here from Frederick saying, I already have a Fire TV 2 imported and most of it works here in Sweden, but do you think Amazon's upcoming plan on AWS in Sweden next year could be a sign like in India that in the Nordic countries will see fully functional Alexa voice, Prime and video Amazon services for us here in the near future? Uh, also says, PS, continue with your teasers at the end and always thanks for your great work. So I would think that AWS, you know, coming to Sweden or an actual like, you know, set of, of servers for AWS in Sweden is probably helpful for that. But I wouldn't say it is like a big sign that we're going to see it in the next year or anything. That's mostly because Sweden themselves don't have a dedicated Amazon Sweden site even yet. And I would think that's the first step to, before anything um, like Alexa or Fire TV or Prime Video coming to a country like Sweden. So usually the progression is that uh, Amazon will release a actual like Amazon site for that country. Then they'll release Prime, you know, the actual Prime shipping features in that country. So there'll be Prime membership for that country. Then from there, they'll release Amazon Video for, you know, Amazon Prime Video essentially for that country. And then after we see Amazon Video, we start to see uh, actual like Fire TV release. That's usually the progression for the Fire TV. Sometimes things like the tablet and Alexa even might skip that. Well, Alexa hasn't happened in the past, but the tablets themselves we've seen offered, you know, tablets and the Kindle e-readers, we've seen that offered in other countries, um, you know, right after Prime gets added, but before Amazon Video gets added. So so I don't think uh, Amazon Sweden is going to get like, you know, Prime, Amazon Prime anytime soon just because AWS servers are coming there. But in general, I think Amazon, because they've released Amazon Video globally now to 200 countries, I do think we're going to see uh, the Fire TV support for countries outside of the four, basically the US, UK, Germany, and Japan. Those are the only ones that officially support the Fire TV right now. I'm pretty sure India is being added, but I think there's going to be some kind of like global Fire TV release, possibly where you can like buy a Fire TV stick or something that'll work globally, uh, essentially, you know, in every country. I think that's going to come because Amazon Video is now a global service. All right, next question here is from Hey Radar asking, is the new UI on the Fire TV Stick Gen 1 faster or slower than the previous UI? 
Uh, I don't know yet because uh, none of my Fire TV sticks have received the new update, the new 5.2.4.1 update that adds the new UI to those older devices yet. So I can't answer this question. Only my Fire TV box Gen 1 has received it. Um, I have not noticed any sluggishness on that device itself. Uh, the UI seems as snappy as it does on the Fire TV 2 and the Fire TV Stick 2. So... I expect uh, Amazon will will tweak and fine tune the UI for each individual device's characteristics and capabilities, you know, to make sure that the user experience is good. You know, I don't think they're adding the exact same everything to all the devices regardless because that Fire TV Box 2 is so much more powerful than the Fire TV Stick 1, for example. So, you know, they'll probably like, you know, fine tune things. Maybe they'll like tone down the animation transitions a little bit on the Fire TV Stick 1 to make it be a little bit snappier, I would assume. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about the interface feeling slow or sluggish or anything. All right, next question here is from Torag. They say they've got a Fire TV and a Plex server, uh, and they've got some FLAC uh, audio files that they've ripped themselves from CD, and they're saying that those audio files are playing through Plex on things like Windows and the Apple TV just fine, but they're not playing on the Fire TV. I was wondering what's going on there. Um, I don't know for sure what's going on, but I can definitely try to guess and, and speculate here. Um, my guess is since you have ripped those FLAC files yourself, um, you might have selected some settings in there, uh, you know, like the, the bit rate or the, uh, the hertz of the actual files themselves that are incompatible with the Fire TV. Um, best thing to do probably is to download some test sample FLAC files in various formats um, and try to play those on your Fire TV. See if those will play. I have a feeling those will play fine, and but your own files will not play. Uh, I believe the Fire TV supports... Uh, um, uh, Amazon has on their developer page, developer.amazon.com. They have a Fire TV device specifications page there that lists all this info. But I believe the Fire TV supports, all the Fire TV devices support 24-bit, uh, 48 kilohertz FLAC files, if I'm not mistaken. And so if you have uh, basically created files that don't match that or exceed that, then they probably will not play. Um, I think 96... Kilohertz is common for FLAC, so maybe you've you created files using that, and those are probably not going to play on the Fire TV, and that's why Plex is just unable to play them. I don't know if Plex does transcoding or not. I'm not a big Plex user, and I'm really not a big Plex user for audio, so I really don't know if Plex is supposed to transcode that FLAC file down. I would think maybe Plex ignores FLAC files for transcoding because the whole purpose of FLAC is that it's lossless, and so you're not changing the audio in any way. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Uh, get some test FLAC files that you haven't created that are just uh, floating around online somewhere. Uh, try to play those. If those play fine, then most likely it's the settings that you've selected when you actually ripped your, your CDs to FLAC uh, that is incompatible with the Fire TV. Um, I think if you stick to 24-bit, 48 kilohertz, those will probably play just fine. All right, next question here is from Chopstick saying, uh, your AFTV downloader fills a need for many users. When can we expect to be able to save a bookmark or two? Uh, I've actually loaded here a tweet I sent out in reply to somebody else asking for this feature, um, showing off that I have already added, had it coded in. It's already pretty much in the next version that's going to be released. I just got distracted uh, from basically working on the app itself this week because of the whole big 5.2.4.1 software update. I've, all my time has been going into that. 
And so, um, yeah, I just basically need to uh, go through the app, test it on all the different Fire TV devices or the, the new version of the app that is, the, the 1.1.2 version. I need to test it, make sure there aren't any, any bugs left in it. And then hopefully I'll be able to do that early next week and release it sometime middle to, to late next week. So, so look for favorites. I'm calling them favorites, but they're essentially bookmarks uh, to come to Downloader uh, in about a week or so. That's when I'm expecting yeah, if you're watching the video version here, you could see this uh, the screenshot of the upcoming version that I that I basically tweeted out on my main uh, Elias account, uh, Twitter.com/Elias. If you want to follow me there, you can find a link down below. Um, but basically, there's a separate favorites section, and that's where you'll be able to to add favorites and manage your favorites and reorder them and edit them, delete them, that sort of stuff. But I've also added a menu in the browser of the actual downloader app where you'll be able to quickly access your favorites and quickly add a favorite from the browser itself also. So uh, yeah, I think the feature works really nicely. So hopefully it'll, it will be out soon. Uh, next question here is from Orthopod, uh, basically saying that he's got a Fire TV one that hasn't received the new UI and he's concerned about Kodi 17 being incompatible with the old user interface. Uh, he's wondering uh, any word about this or when uh, the, the old boxes will get that UI. Uh, I already discussed that the old boxes are currently getting that new UI in the new software update. So basically sometime later this month, all devices will get updated to the new UI. Uh, as far as Kodi 17 not being compatible with the old UI, that's not true. Kodi uh, 17 is not compatible with Fire OS 3. So you might be talking about that. If your first gen device is still on Fire OS 3, then yes, Kodi 17 only supports Fire OS 5 and up. Uh, there's really nothing you could do about that. That's just a that's just a decision Kodi made and there's really nothing you could do about that. So if you have Fire OS 3 and you don't want to update to Fire OS 5, uh, then you have to basically stick to Kodi 16.1, I believe that's the latest version. If by incompatible with the new UI, you mean you're not seeing Kodi 17 on the interface, um, that's I have a whole article about that and how to get it to show up on the home screen if it's not showing up. I'll put a link that to, below to that. All right, next up, we've got a few questions here from Ben. Uh, first up, he's asking about the Not In My House app on the second gen devices. Uh, I have not looked into them yet. Again, I haven't had the new update on those devices. Uh, the Not In My House app seems like it was though that old app that Amazon made that never really got used meant to block or blacklist certain apps. Again, uh, there was no evidence that Amazon ever actually used it for anything. It just popped up on one of the software updates and then it got removed on the next software update. Um, so I have not looked into any changes there, whether it's doing something. Um, I'll, I'll probably take a look once I get the 5.2.4.1 software update that's rolling out right now on more devices. I, I, I will take a look and see if that app is doing anything. Uh, Ben's also asking for a link to downloader app. Um, if you're talking about sideloading or downloading the APK, you can go to aftvnews.com slash downloader and just download it straight from there. Otherwise, you can get it from the Amazon App Store. And lastly, Ben is asking about uh, why 5.2.4.1, the new software update, is not on Amazon's latest software update website. You know, basically the website that they list the latest software versions for the Fire TV. Uh, basically, the way Amazon handles that page is they wait basically for all the devices to receive the software update before updating that page and calling it the latest version. So right now the update is slowly rolling out. Not too many devices have it at this point because it, it literally just started rolling out a few days ago. But probably in a couple of weeks, once 
more devices have it and the majority of devices have it, they'll update that page and list 5.2.4.1 as the new version. All right, next, we got a couple questions from Billy. Uh, first, asking if there's an updated guide to install the Google Play Store without rooting. Uh, no, the answer to that is, is no, because we've never been able to install the Google Play Store without rooting. Um, so there's, there's just never been a guide there because uh, there's, no, there's no way of doing that without root. Uh, Billy's also asking why some of the apps that he sideloads from his phone to the Fire TV don't work. Uh, I can't really answer that question because it varies based on the app. I mean, some apps just altogether will not uh, work on the Fire TV. I mean, even if you sideload them, um, if you're having trouble actually sideloading them themselves, meaning they're not installing, um, some apps have certain requirements that the Fire TV does not meet, so they just will not install to begin with. You can try to install them, but the, the package itself uh, checks to see if the device itself has certain uh, versions of Android, for example. And so the Fire TV runs Android 5.1 as the core. And so if a certain app requires Android 6 or 7, then it just will never install on the Fire TV. And so that's probably the case there. All right, next question here is from Kevin. Uh, he's asking about an app to install on the Fire TV or sideload on the Fire TV that will allow him to either uh, track data going through the IP of the Fire TV or better yet, actually see the uh, requested HTTP string on the Fire TV. Uh, I don't know of any app that can do this on the actual device itself. Uh, I use an app like Damien here actually recommends called Wireshark. It runs on Mac and Windows. And basically you have to run that app on the, on the PC itself and connect the Fire TV to the PC's Wi-Fi bridge, essentially. And that lets you monitor the traffic going through the Fire TV. I don't know of any app on an actual Android device that can do this. If there is such an app, I would I would absolutely assume it would have to be rooted, the device itself. So um, if your Fire TV is rooted, I would definitely just do a, a little search to see if anybody's made in such an app. But I've never heard of one myself, sorry. All right, next up, we've got a question from Tom42. It's actually pretty interesting what he wants to do here. Uh, he's got a rooted device running TWRP, but he uses HBO Go, and HBO Go now is checking for uh, root, and so he's not able to use that. He's wondering if there's a way to install a non-rooted version of the latest update or the 5.2.4.1 update or the 5.2.4.0 update. Um, but keep TWRP so that he can reroute later. Um, it's really interesting. I've never actually looked into this. Um, I would guess the best thing to do would be to install the latest pre-rooted ROM and then go in and unroot that ROM. Um, I've never done this myself, but if you unroot, uh, basically to unroot, all you really have to do, I assume, is remove what what Rbox has added to the ROM. And I'm pretty sure all he adds is uh, the Super SU app, the system app. So if you go into where the system apps are, uh, again, I can't remember off the top of my head where they are, but you'll have to do some digging and find out for yourself. But if you go into where the system apps are and remove Super SU and then go in and remove the SU binary, which is most likely, I can't remember for sure, but it's stored in um, slash system slash bin and or slash system slash xbin. Um, you'll probably find just an SU file in there. If you delete the SU files and delete Super SU, that's essentially unrooting the device. You can try contacting Rbox through XDA's forums. Ask him what uh, what else he does to the pre-rooted ROMs. Like what does he add there? Um, and so that you can go in and remove that also. But if you remove those things, then that's pretty much unrooting the device. And so HBO Go 
likely does not check to see if recovery is custom or anything like that. So that should make HBO Go work, but TWRP will still be there. And so at any time, you can go back in and install a pre-rooted ROM and get root access back. So um, yeah, that'd be my recommendation. Just go in and unroot it yourself. Uh, next, we've got Damien saying, rest in peace, live podcast. Sorry about that, Damien. Um, she says, as mentioned on YouTube, can you start a Facebook page so we can stay in contact with friends we have met during the live podcast? Um, I do have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash AFTV news. Um, you can go there and I guess, you know, kind of talk amongst yourselves there. Um, I could probably start a Facebook group that you guys can join also for AFTV news. So I'll go ahead and do that and I'll put a link down below when I actually put up the this episode and do the show notes. Um, so, so yeah. There's a Facebook page and I'll, I'll set up a group for for you guys to, to join if you'd like. All right, next question is from Carlos asking, uh, any idea what's up with the constant Fire TV stick back order? Amazon is now saying available in May. Uh, I've discussed this in the past. I'm pretty sure the Fire TV stick and the Fire TV box itself, actually, they're back ordered in the US uh, stick specifically because all of that supply has gone to the uh, UK and to Germany because those devices, the stick two just launched, you know, in the UK uh, yesterday and it's going to launch in Germany in a couple of weeks. So I think they're just directing all that supply. I also suspect that they're having production issues with the actual Fire TV's voice remote. That's why the box itself is back ordered also. Yeah, those are my best guess. But, you know, obviously Amazon is not going to say anything more specific or anything at all, really. And final question here from Y314K, a longtime listener and viewer of the podcast, uh, asking, have any update links made it to our box yet? Just wondering. Um, no, not yet. Um, I I have not captured any myself because only my one uh, Fire TV one box has received the update and that one is not set up to capture. Um, I only can capture on my rooted devices. So I have to wait for those devices to get updated. But, but don't fret. I do have them all set up and primed and ready to capture that when they when their turn comes up to receive the update. Uh, I have talked to Arbox and he's kind of standing by um, for that anyway. So, um, so he has not received the update URLs yet. I'm the one who usually gets them first anyway and passes them on to him. Uh, occasionally, somebody else will get them before me and pass them on to Arbox or pass them on to me who I then pass on to Arbox. So... Um, but, but yeah, uh, hold tight. Hopefully they'll come out, but do remember, I, I do highly, highly suspect this update will roll out very slowly. Um, I didn't really talk about that in detail earlier, but I think it's going to roll out slowly because one, it's a big UI change for those first gen devices. And so I think Amazon is going to be very cautious to make sure this new UI runs well on all those devices that exist, you know, that first gen batch of devices. And so I think they're going to be cautious. They're going to roll it out and assess things and then roll it out a little bit more and then assess things and so on and so forth. And so I, I expect this update will t probably take all of April to roll out to 100% of devices. That, that's my best guess here. But I will get them to our box and hopefully he will have time to make those pre-rooted ROMs so that all the rooted devices will get updated also. All right, that will conclude the 76th episode of the AFTV newscast and most likely the, the last live stream, at least not for a little while. Thank you so much for watching. It's been a long, full episode. I'm, I'm kind of glad it was a good episode to end off the old format. Now we're going to move forward to, towards the new format. Again, as I mentioned at the, the start in, in great detail, I'm going to be releasing not on a schedule anymore and I'm going to be releasing smaller, shorter episodes that are about one specific topic at a time. I still will be releasing those in audio versions only on the regular uh, AFTV newscast podcast stream. 
Um, I won't be calling the videos themselves AFTV newscast episodes anymore, really. They'll just be, you know, standalone Fire TV-related videos, you know, from me, from the site. Uh, they won't be numbered anymore just because, like I said, some of them might be, like, as short as three minutes long. Some of them might be 30 minutes long, depending on the topic, depending on, you know, what needs to be said about each thing. So uh, the numbering will be going, but I still will still be releasing videos and audio formats uh, of everything that I discuss just not on a weekly basis anymore again i hope you guys enjoy that if you have any feedback about that new format please mention it down below in the comments either of the post for this episode or the comments on the on on youtube or anything definitely subscribe to my youtube channel at youtube.com slash aftv news i will likely post most videos on aftvnews.com themselves but there might be some videos that I, I literally just release in the audio podcast stream and on youtube itself and don't actually post it on the site itself as its own separate video post you know i'm not quite sure how i'm going to do that so if you want to be sure to get everything that I, I, I release. Subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash AFTVnews. Uh, ideally, click the little bell icon that gets you notifications. That way you, you get notified whenever I put something up. Um, but but yeah, hope to see you at some time, <laughs> you know, next time I release a video. Again, uh, not going to be on a schedule, so don't know when it's going to happen. But thank you so much for watching this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around and, and liking what I put out there. And uh, I'll see you in the next video.